Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Just thought I'd throw another wrench in there. And you see, this time I flowed with you. I was you did. Good. I didn't even know what you were going to do. You did. I because went along with it. Because I didn't just start with, hey, I actually kept going. And uh, yeah, just on the fly. I didn't even know what I was going to do. See, that's, that's improv 101. It was spirit-led. Spirit-led improv. <laughs> yeah. We could start a side hustle. Spirit-led improv, led by Pastor PJ and Apostle Rod. We, we could. Yeah. Apostle Rod? That was improv, see? Okay. I, I don't like that improv, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, this might be a good time to let you know we're cessationists here at Comes Bible Church, <laughs> North Texas. Are we, though? We are. No, uh, there's no question there. There's a little bit of soft edges around you, bro. No, there's, <laughs> there's no soft edges here. That's one thing I've never been accused of. Unless it's my waistline, outside of that, dude, but doctrine and theology, never been accused of that. I take that way back. You're right. Soft edges are not your middle name. Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, where where what are we what are we doing? <laughs> where are we? I don't even know. I don't know anymore either. Hey, we are uh, in Psalm chapter twenty five, twenty six, and twenty seven. One more note on spirit led. Did you see we we had this dinner on Thursday night uh, last week, and uh, we catered tender smokehouse. Mm. And the lady that dropped off the food, she had a shirt that said "spirit led brisket fed." Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of really like that. Right? I, I, I was thinking we should do shirts like that for North that? Texas. Yeah, I, th- I think we could. Yeah. Yeah. I think I feel good about that. Yeah. Spirit-led brisket fed. But hey, uh, David was spirit-led and I don't think he knew anything about brisket. Man, what a shame though. Do you think he knows about it now? Uh, he's got to I at this so. point. Yeah. But he has a disembodied existence right now, so he wouldn't be able to eat, would he? True. I don't see that happening, right? Yeah. What a bummer. He'll have to wait to the New Jerusalem. Yeah, that's true, man. That's a bummer. That's a big bummer. Yeah, I feel bad for him now. I feel like he's probably like, hey, it's okay, though. I'm good. I'd rather be up here and disembodied than with you guys. No, man. No, you're suffering, bro. Okay. So you're an apostle and you're saying that people are suffering in the presence of God. Okay. So um, this is a great start. No, we are. Teach uh, me your paths. <laughs> yes. Oh, Lord. Yes. Pastor Rod needs that. Um, what a great prayer, though, right? In uh, To you, O Lord, Psalm 25, 1, do I lift up my soul? Oh, my God, in you I trust. He's pleading and wanting God to instruct him. And that should be our mindset no matter what. Here you have a man who is after God's own heart by God's own testimony about this man. And uh, man steeped in in an understanding of God and writing all of these Psalms that that we have here in front of us and just knowledgeable. And yet he, he wants more. Uh, make me know your ways, verse four. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you, the God of my salvation. I hope we know Christians that, that that always needs to be our prayer, that there's never a point while we're here and, and really for all of eternity that we're going to be able to say, I'm good. I don't need to know any more about God. I've, I, I know enough. enough. Yeah. yeah. There's never a point where you hit a spiritual maturity level where you're like, I don't need the word. Grace graduate. Right. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about quite a bit recently on the podcast. And that is, y'all, we always need to be in the word of God. We always need to be. If you're sitting there going, well, I've read the Bible through once before already in my life. Great. Let's do it again. 
right? We always need the intake of the word. We always need the instruction. And what you'll notice the more you read it and the more you read the same passages, you're going to learn different things every time you go through. 100%. Because the spirit is dynamic and God's word is living and active and it's going to hit you in different ways every time, every time. And so it's such a good mindset. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and testimonies. Look at verse 11 though. This is amazing, right? Such a different perspective for us to have. Verse 11 says, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. Okay, Pastor Ryan, based on that, who is our salvation ultimately for? Jesus. Yeah, it's not for us. It's not for us. And and that's, that's why... God has the prerogative to save those that he chooses to save, right? Because ultimately our salvation is not about us in the end. Our life is not about us in the end. We get this in 1 Timothy 1.16. The apostle Paul says, I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example to those who are to believe in him for eternal life. The apostle Paul is saying, I was saved to be an example for other people to glorify Christ because I was the foremost of sinners and people can look at me and go, well, if he can save that guy, then he can save me. And it's a testimony of the power of Christ. Sounds like you're saying that our entire lives are for the glory of God. Everything, everything, including our salvation. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Now with that, people will push back on that and say, well, God's a megalomaniac. Okay. He's God. Right. So he, he has no other choice, but to be all about himself because if God were to give glory to anything other than himself, then he's acknowledging somebody else's God, right? He's, he's abdicating his role as the, the only one worthy. The, the very definition of him as God means that he's worthy of all glory and no one else is yet, yet because of his love and his mercy and his kindness and his compassion and his grace towards us, we get to enjoy so many good things from his hand at the same time that still redound to his glory. But man, we get to experience all that too, which is such an amazing thing from, from his part to do that for us. That kind of thought is so, I don't know, counterintuitive. I feel like, and for some people, that might feel like such an oppressive thought. My entire life really is about something else, someone else, my marriage, my, my, my parenting, my job. Uh, we were talking the other day about, you know, the, the Monday vocation, the sense of, oh, I got the Mondays, I'm going to McDonald's and I'm flipping burgers and I don't feel good about that. And you're telling me that my job is about the glory of God. And, and we're saying, yes, everything's about that. But unlike the way that that would feel for literally any other God you can conceive of, lowercase g, when we submit to that truth and that reality, that is the freeing agent I don't want to confuse that. That's the key that unlocks our fullest sense of joy and freedom in our lives because that's what we're made for. We're made to submit to him, to follow him, to love him. And when we live out the reason for our existence, man, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And and there's 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 purpose to all of it because there's reward that we're storing up right through all of this faithfulness and and serving him and that again is just his goodness in it too. But yeah, it's uh it, it's true. It is it's all about God, it's all for the Lord. For Amen. your name's sake, O Lord, pardon Amen. my guilt. That's right. For it is great. How about verse 14 too? The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. So that goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. Because it's the description there that, that David gives. It's not the, uh, the, the enslavement to the Lord is for those who fear him. It's not the oppression of, uh, you know, despotic ruler and God is for those who fear him. Right. He says the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And, and, and that's the encouragement there. there. There's an intimacy and relationship. In fact, I just preached about this last Sunday about that's 
part of, of, of what it looks like in submission to the Lordship of Christ is that it's about a relationship that we have with him. And it's not just this duty bound doctrine fueled obligation that we have to glorify God with our whole lives, but we are in this dynamic and active relationship with a God who is living that David here describes as a friendship that is for us if we are walking in the fear of the Lord. And that's such an encouragement to us. Super cool. Okay, so there's a little uh, there's a little number one next to it. If you're reading the ESV, we're, we're ESV people in case you haven't caught that yet, uh, the English Standard Version. There's a number one next to the friendship. And so that takes you to the bottom of your Bible. It says the secret council. Could say the secret council. Now let me just quickly explain. The reason why it says that is because that word for friendship is a word that can refer to the circle of confidants, a, a, a group of really tight-knit people. Something, someone. So if you're looking at the Vine's expository dictionary, which I would recommend for you if you don't have a, a dictionary, the Vines Complete Expository Dictionary, I would recommend that to you as a, as a great tool and a resource for your Bible study. But the word sod is a reference to confidential discussion, and it's the kind of counsel and, and interaction or conversation that you would have with someone that you deeply trust, an intimate friend. That's the kind of friendship we can have with God, and it's for those who fear him. And again, remember, we talked about this before. This is not servile fear. This is filial fear. This is not the fear of a slave under a cruel master. This is the filial fear of a son or a daughter that respects their father. That's the kind of fear we're talking about here. It's a love fear. Yeah, along those lines of the the council, John 15, 15, Jesus says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I heard from my father. I have made known to you that mm. that secret counsel concept there, right? right? We're brought into the inner circle that's there right. between I us and that. God. And Jesus reiterates that in John 15, 15. And that's filling up my soul right now. Yep. Yep. Notice though, in, in the midst of all this and all the high points, it, it doesn't mean that it's all easy. Verse 16, 17, and 18, David still faces affliction. Turn to me and be gracious for I am lonely and afflicted and the troubles of my heart are enlarged. And so this is not David pie in the sky, riding high, everybody's doing well and he's he's you know sitting in his golden throne room. He's he's saying all these things, mindful of the fact that hey man, I'm still I'm still going through it from time to time. Well, I wonder too in verse 18 if there's something that David did that produce the situation because he's asking now twice for God to overlook his sins, to forgive his sins. He, he's recognizing that there's something that perhaps precipitated this event. Mm. One note that I made here for, for all of you just to pay attention to in verse three, he talks about uh, no one or none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And he brings up this theme again near the end in verse 21, where he says, may integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Part of this psalm has the the concept or the theme of waiting upon God, but our waiting for him is not a passive, but an active waiting. And waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting time in God's economy is really how he often runs our lives. He makes us be patient for his action and his his, uh, solution to whatever our issues are. So wait actively in the way that David does. Yeah, and that that's a good transition to even chapter 26 because he's talking about more of that active waiting in appealing to his integrity uh, and he's he's asking for the Lord to act because he is walking in integrity. He's saying prove me, O Lord, and try me, examine me, because I'm walking, verse three, in your faithfulness. Verses four and five, that's a callback to Psalm chapter one. Notice the the similarity there. Mm -hmm. He says, I'm not sitting with the men of 
of falsehood. I'm, I'm not consorting with hypocrites. I hate the assembly of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. Go back and read Psalm 1 again and the, the, the difference between the, the righteous and the wicked. And so David's saying, I'm, I'm walking in righteousness. I love the inhabitation, verse 8, of your house in the place where your glory dwells. I walk in my integrity. My foot stands on level ground. And so again, yeah, this this idea of, of this active waiting, I, I love that description. Again, this past Sunday, preached James in, in when James James talks about Abraham being justified by works, right? And, and that causes everybody to, to throw their Flag hands up. Flag on the play. Wait, wait a minute. And James makes this inter- interesting comment where he says Abraham's faith was completed by his works. And it's that idea that it's it's not the the forensic part of our justification. That's the, the you are declared righteous in Christ. That's the moment of salvation. But it's the vindication part of our righteous, of our justification. Mm. In other words, that our, our forensic, our declaration that you are in Christ, therefore you are declared righteous and innocent, not just not guilty, but now innocent in Christ. That is borne out in the way we live our lives, in the integrity of our lives, in the how we walk in the fear of the Lord from that point forward until we end up in, in eternity and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So yeah, it's that act of waiting, bearing out our faith and in, in demonstrating our faith that we see here in David, I think even in Psalm 26. Yeah, I had one cross-reference for you guys as you're reading through Psalm 26, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 7, 1. It's a famous passage that you already know, but I think one of the things that Psalm 26 taught me was basically to know what team you're on. Whose team are you on and how can you tell? Mm. Well, you can tell by the way that your faith is lived out in your day-to-day activities. Right. Do you, do you do you find yourself siding with the Lord? Well, this is one way to look at it. Yeah. Psalm 27, you've probably, you were probably singing it as you were reading it. If you, Psalm 27, if you grew up in, in contemporary Christian music at all, uh, that this is a familiar uh, refrain to you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? No one, (laughs) no one, right? Uh, He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I I love verse three, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. I'm not even going to fear if you bring a whole army against me, right? Uh, and, and David would have faced that because as the king of Israel, he had armies that literally came after him. Yep. Uh, we don't have an army coming after us, but do you have this level of confidence in the Lord? Are you this uh, firm in your faith that God is your light and your salvation, and your stronghold? So that you're going to say, I'm not going to fear. And then I, I love his passion here. His passion is not just for security and comfort, but he wants to be with God. One thing I've asked, one thing I'm seeking after, I want to be with you. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Man, I just wrote in my Bible, may Jesus be that desirable to me on on just every day of my life. Not just that I come out of the valley of the shadow of death, but man, that I'm with him, that I'm growing closer to him. That's what I want more than anything else. Yeah, in verse four, all that leads up to, I think that latter part, He, he wants to, uh, ask the Lord and to seek after living in his house. I want to, I want to be, that's where I want to have my, my residence. Why? Cause I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire, to, to consider, to, to, to wrestle, to think God's thoughts after him. It reminded me of second Corinthians three, where Paul will later say, uh, to, to, to paraphrase him that we're going to become like what we behold. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we ourselves are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Christian, one of the ways that we become more like him is to behold him, to think about him, to think through what he said to us and to think his thoughts after him. We become like what we behold. So 
easy question for me to, to ask you is what are you beholding in your life? What's taking up much, much of your attentional space? I mean, really how you spend your thoughts is how you spend your life. What are you spending your time on? And is it something that you're going to look back on and say, that was a great use of my time? Can you say that you spent time gazing upon the beauty of the Lord? Well, if you read your DBR this morning, yes, you can say that. But man, don't go past these too quickly. Totally. In fact, that's that's what he's talking about in verse eight. Another well-known verse here. You said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, I seek. What Pastor Rod was just talking about, that's what it means to seek the face of God. And that's what we need to set our hearts to, our minds to, our our whole lives after. And then we can have the confidence of verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. What an awesome day that's going to be. Christian, do you spend time thinking about that day that you're going to see God and, and be in his presence and see the son of God face to face and be with Jesus forever? Does that thought cross your mind enough? I know for me, it doesn't cross my mind enough, but man, I, I, I it's such an amazing thing to think about that. Yeah, it's hard because we can't see him and right. it's hard to think about even what that would mean. Yeah. I, I, even as you were saying that I'm thinking, okay, what would that feel like to someone who's maybe not tracking with us right? and saying, no, I, I don't get that pastor PJ. I, I don't, I don't have that desire. Right. Is something wrong with me? Twofold thing. N- number one, first go read revelation 21. Go read the first part of Revelation 21 and what it's going to be like in the, the new Jerusalem, the new the new earth, where he talks about there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more sickness, there's no more any of that, right? And and, and so there's that element that we desire and we long for. But as, as John Piper famously said, look, if you could have all that, but Jesus wasn't there, would you still want heaven, right? Um, and the, the, his point there is we should want Jesus more than all those things. And so I guess the, the closest earthly thing that I could conceive of is who do you love being with more than anyone else on the face of the planet? And imagine if, or, or think of somebody that you haven't seen in a long time that you love, that you have an affection for, that you're thinking, man, I love this person. It's been forever since I've been able to be with them. Maybe it's a family member or a good friend that you had. And you're, you just think about, it would be so great to be with that person again. Now take that and ratchet it up to 11, right? Turn, turn it up to 11, which is an outdated phrase, but take it to that, that infinite level in our, in your mind and just think, okay, even though I, I, I don't fully understand because I've never seen him, I can believe that if, if he's given me earthly affections for other people that I can relate to and go, okay, I can't wait to see that person again. Then I, I'm going to have a faith that says being with him is going to be even better than that. And even more glorious than that. Amen. That's helpful, bro. Thank you. Acts chapter 20, we're in the, the rest of Acts chapter 20 here, and Paul and the Ephesian elders, and what an amazing picture of just ministry companionship that we have in this section of Acts chapter 20. Paul has been here for three years. He's been doing ministry with these people, and uh, and he gathers them together, and, and he basically starts by just appealing to the faithfulness of his ministry there. He talks about declaring to them the whole counsel of God. He didn't shrink from declaring anything that was profitable. He's been doing what the, the the work that God gave him to do, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in Jesus. I mean, Paul's just reminding them that he was faithful to, to discharge his duties. And he's saying, I, I just want to finish my course and do what Jesus wants me to do in verse 24 there. And, and then he gives them some exhortations because he cares about them and he loves them. And he's looking at these elders and they're the pastors of the church there. And he's saying, look, you've got a job now that I'm leaving. Here's what I'm going to charge you to do. I want you to pay careful attention to the flock in which God has made you overseers. And then I love what he says here to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Such a a, a cool concept and such an important one for us too, Mm -hmm. because it doesn't say the, the individual Christian Susie or Johnny or Tim or, or, you know, Elon, 
the Christian Elon somewhere. Um, he says the church, right? That's what he obtained with his blood. And, and Christian, if, if you're not actively involved in the church, if you don't have a, an affection for the church, then, then you've got a, a problem. There's a short circuit somewhere in your faith because Christ died to, to obtain the church. Paul was serving the church. He's challenging the, and exhorting these elders to continue to shepherd the church. And uh, he's just appealing to his faithfulness. And then there's the departure there. But, but PR chime in on this. Well, that's why one of the things which is so surprising in the next verse, I mean, he, verse 28, he obtained the church with his own blood. And then he says something that might just give you like a double take. Wait, wait, wait. He, the church that he just bought with his blood is now going to have fierce wolves who show up among you and they don't spare the flock. And get this in verse 30, Paul says, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Mm. That gave me great pause, Pastor PJ, because I thought about our flock and I thought, man, our job is to guard the flock from mm-hmm. people who want to assert themselves, put themselves in leadership positions and draw people away. Our job is to carry a big stick, the stick of the word of God and say, hey, buddy, slow down. We're not going to let you do what you hope to do in this church. And we're going to be always listening to any threat or potential for false teaching. And our job is to deal with that so that we can protect the purity of Christ's church, which he bought with his own blood. For sure. For sure. One of the cool things, though, here is just the love that Paul had for for these men. It's and so I, warm. I think you see it at the end here. Man, that's, see, this is yeah. a real man, a real man who knows how to fight like tooth and nail like he's, he's taking sleepless nights he's getting shipwrecked and he's and he's a crier totally i love that man yeah love that there's much weeping on the part of them all they embrace paul they kiss him and being sorrowful most of all because of the word that he had spoken that they would not see his face again that's why they're grieving they're, they're going man this is goodbye this is goodbye and and we felt this a little bit when we left our sending church and came back came out here like there was a lot of good that we were excited about in coming out here and and man i was grateful to come out here with you as a brother in in christ and a friend and a fellow pastor that that we had served together but we left good relationships in california to come out here sure did and there was the sorrow that that came with that and yes there's the like it's the goodbye for now and all the the little cool cliche phrases that get thrown out there don't cry because it happens or because it's over me argentina smile because it happened whatever Truth but it, it hurts, right? It and sure you miss does. people. Yes. And uh, and yet we're, we know that it's worth it because we're doing what, what God is calling us to do and, and doing the work of the Lord. Yeah. It doesn't change the fact that it still hurts, but it does give purpose to the tears. For sure. That, yeah. Someday we're going we're gonna to reconcile these tears and there's not going to be any more tears. For sure. So don't cry for us today because we hope you're not planning on leaving <laughs> us anytime soon. And uh, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll See catch ya. you again tomorrow. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org, and we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. (laughs) 